Our podcast touches on tough real-world issues like suicide, depression, and mental illness. If you're struggling with these issues, you can find support by texting PODCAST to 741-741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Or visit www.jedfoundation.org to learn about getting help in your community. Reach out to a friend or family member. We urge you to get the help you need. And we've provided a list of resources in our show notes as well. If you're a minor, we strongly encourage you to listen to our podcast with a trusted adult. And just a quick warning, there is some swearing in this episode. Welcome to Could Be Better, TBH, where we do a deep dive into all the hard stuff concerning mental health. And I'm your host, Stacey London. Claudina is a makeup and doll enthusiast best known for her YouTube channel where she posts reviews, stop-motion videos, and makeup tutorials. She came out when she was 13 years old and has dealt with a myriad of mental health issues. And because of Claudina's vulnerability matched with her mind-blowing creativity and talent, she continues to push the envelope and make millions of people in her community feel less alone. Before we start anything, I need to know how you came up with the name Claudina. So Claudina is actually, um, it's kind of a crazy story, but it developed from one of the dolls that I did stop motions with. Her name is Claudine and she is the daughter of the Wolfman. So there, therefore is the claws. And um, originally the channel was made for a friend named Jaleesa. It wasn't even going to be my channel. And uh, we took, <laughs> and so Claudine was taken and we took the A from the end of Jaleesa and made Claudina. And then her mom said, she's too young to have a YouTube channel. There's no way. So I just kind of assumed the position of the channel and I stuck with the name. It really resonated with me. So there, there was born Claudina. Oh my God. So she was like a baby made out of two different names and all of these different circumstances. All right. I knew there was a story yeah. behind it. I knew it. Yeah. Um, all right. So <laughs> totally. there we go. So can you talk to us a little bit about why and how you started the YouTube channel? I mean, we got a little bit of background on the name, but right. but you started really young. Yeah. So, I mean, I started when I was 10. So I was definitely very young. And oh my God. when I was 10, by the way, yeah. I had a Snoopy backpack <laughs> and you started a YouTube channel <laughs> just to talk about a generational difference right there. I know. No, totally. It's so insane the way that technology has advanced. Mm. And with being online, I remember um, a reason that I started the YouTube channel is because I saw other kids doing uh, videos on these dolls. And the dolls just really resonated with me. It was something that stuck with me where I realized I could tell stories with these dolls too. You know, we're just kind of sitting there playing with the dolls, but behind them, there's so much more story. Like the stories that we're telling are really stories that we've gone through. So um, I started off doing toy unboxings on YouTube when I was 10 and I would kind of review the dolls and say, you know, either this is a really great doll or this is a really bad doll. <laughs> and it developed into the stop motion. And so... um I remember I had a Nintendo DS and it had a camera on it because that was before I had a phone. And I would move the doll a little bit, take a picture on my DS, move it all a little bit, take a picture on my DS. And I'd transfer it to my computer and I'd make a video out of it. And it developed into at me. 10 years old. Yes. Yeah. 10. So, I mean, I've always been kind of like advanced with technology. I, th I have five older siblings, so I kind of mimicked all the things that I'd see them do. And since, I mean, they're 11 years older than me, so they were kind of getting into their phones and their computers. And I kind of learned a little bit through them. So I have to give them uh, a little bit of a thanks. A shout out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but 
I would start telling stories about, you know, being bullied in school or even being bullied online because that's when the era of cyberbullying was developing and becoming such a big thing. So I would tell stories about being bullied online or in school, or maybe I had an argument with my sister and I would make a stop motion about it. And by telling those stories, you know, people at the time didn't really know that those stories were about me and my own life, but they could resonate with them and they could laugh at the stories or relate to the stories through these dolls and this animation. And it, it really just developed into something larger where I started doing makeup and showing my face. But, you know, that's where it kind of started. And that's the origin of my YouTube channel. And you really started to become very open about yourself personally. Yes. yes. Um, and how did you make that transition from going to, you know, sort of doing stop motion with dolls to talking about yourself? I mean, did that come as a result of bullying? I mean, did you find that YouTube was an outlet for that? How did that transition happen? Well, when I was uh 13 is when I came out and I, you know, that's kind of a story within itself. At, but, at 13. Uh, yeah. 13 is when I came out. And I think from that point, I was so liberated because I struggled so badly. You know, not only was I living this dual life online because I didn't tell people at school or anybody within my quote unquote real life, like face to face life that I had this YouTube channel because I was afraid of what they think of me having dolls. And despite the success of the channel, I was kind of living like Hannah Montana where like I'm a secret celebrity online, <laughs> but then face to face, it's like, you know, I'm just myself. And so did you come out online before you came out in your real life? No, I did come out to, my sister was the first person that I had come out to, but I didn't come out on my YouTube channel. How I came out to my sister was I showed her the photo of my then first boyfriend and I kissing and her reaction was just like, oh, and it wasn't negative. It was hesitant because I think she was shocked that I was right. telling her this this secret that she kind of knew, um, but that I had been keeping inside. Right, but but also with visuals. So that's, that's yeah. different than just yeah, telling totally. the story. So then she's like literally <laughs> seeing right, it. Right, right. And, <laughs> So in that moment, I was just so liberated and so freed and I felt the weight come off my shoulder, but I was still hesitant to tell my mom and my dad because I grew up very religious. They're both ordained ministers. And so I was always told, you know, being gay is wrong. They would look at the TV and they would suck their teeth and those queers. And mm. I was raised to think that's very negative. So one day my mom was going through my laptop and she came across those same photos and um, she called my name and I went out there. And she was like, what is this? And I was like, well, this is my boyfriend. This is, his name was Austin. So I was like, this is Austin. And she was skeptical at first, but she told me that she loved me no matter what. And she was, I think her mind was a little bit more like, you know, how are we going to tell dad this? Because my dad was the one who was a lot more anti-gay. Mm. And so my sister and my mom came into my room and they were like, you know, how are we going to tell dad? And I think they just came to the conclusion on their own. They were like, oh, we'll just tell him for you. And I was fine with that because I was so nervous too. And so they told him and my dad came in the room and he was like, you know, I love you no matter what. Oh my um, God. It doesn't matter to me. Like, I love you regardless. And it was just, you know, in that moment, I was so shocked. I was shocked because I was like, wow, I did not expect there to be no hesitation. He was just so accepting and so embracing. And I mean, today they've 360 from who they used to be. And now they advocate for the LGBT community and they're constantly telling their Christian friends, you know, about me. And they're so celebratory of, of me and what I do. And so, um, they've been a great 
deal of support. But I think in seeing their reaction, I wanted to keep feeling that feeling of feeling free. And so I went on my YouTube channel and um, I started doing makeup and I started showing my face more and I started telling my story of coming out. And I love that feeling of finally feeling free. I mean, granted, I was so young. I was 13, 14, but it felt like a decade. I mean, it was kind of a decade, a decade of secrets that were built up and just letting them all out. And I kept wanting to feel that feeling, which is what led me to showing my face more and telling my story. Mm. But you've also been open about, you know, how you had low self-esteem yes. and that you began to self-harm. Yes. Uh, when was that? Before you came out or after? So that was after I came out. And one thing that I talk about is I think the lingering anxiety and depression from keeping uh, all these secrets inside me for so long, for so had, long. Had, yeah, yeah. It had developed. And so um, that didn't just go away from me freeing myself and opening up. Those feelings were still there you know, kind of clashing with the joy of feeling free. But, you know, I still struggled with that depression and that anxiety and still feeling anxious um, and still feeling depressed. And so I began to self-harm as a way for myself to see the physical pain that I'd been feeling on the inside, all the bottled up anger and the bottled up sadness. And I would wear long sleeves throughout the summer to cover up the scars on my arm. And it didn't really end just there. You know, when I started doing makeup, I would wear thigh high boots to cover up the scars on my legs. And um, I would use Photoshop to get rid of those scars online. And it was really just for me a way to physically see, you know, this is how I'm feeling on the inside. And during that time, it was also hard for me to go to therapy prior to coming out because I was afraid that if I went to a therapist, they would know I'm gay. Mm -hmm. They would immediately see it and then I'd feel outed. So I avoided um, dealing with any of the mental health side of things because I was so afraid of being outed. And by the time that I started going to therapy, there was all of that lingering feelings of anxiety and depression. And the way that I worked through that was going to therapy and learning um, self-care and different ways to cope, other alternatives to self-harming. But it was essentially the way that I coped with the feelings that I wasn't talking about. Uh, I mean, this is... I'm exhausted from hearing this. Yeah. I cannot imagine at that age being able to handle all of that. Right. I mean, how could you possibly have held all of that inside for so long, tried to maintain this persona online, this persona at home, and right. have had no one to talk to? Yeah. So it, it, it seems very clear that you were just looking for a way to maintain some kind of normalcy, uh, feeling that you had so much to hide. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What I wanted to say about self-harm is that when I finally did open up, I went to group therapy. And so I was so afraid to open up about cutting because of that stigma behind self-harm and um, the physical representation. But Truthfully, it's, it is an unhealthy way to cope with stress, but it was all I felt I had or all I felt I could do. And when I finally learned different ways to deal with the way I was struggling, I felt much better. But because cutting was also causing that anxiety of another secret mm. on top of other secrets I felt I was dealing with that I freed myself from only to create a new one. So that's what I wanted to say about that. There's such a contradiction there too, right? I mean, here you've created this YouTube channel with a massive audience right. with a healthy way to get attention. And not only that, now you have a following of people who really uh, look to you yeah. for a way to kind of be creative and as um, somebody to look to for really, you know, mental health and self-esteem. Right. Yeah. It's kind of ironic. 
No, <laughs> it, it definitely is. It's the the dynamic of the two different ways. And that's something that even I'm learning throughout my own life is the healthy and unhealthy ways that I deal with my feelings and I meet my needs mm. um, with the different things that I struggle with. And I think it takes a lot of self-awareness and self-realization to come to the conclusion of whether what you're doing is healthy or unhealthy and when it is to meet a certain need or feeling that you're trying to feed or validate. Mm. Well, I have two questions for that. I mean, one, how did your YouTube fans and community help you recover and regain your confidence? Yes. Did they? Do you feel like they were there and very supportive for you? Yes. Um, so my my viewers, I feel like they were so supportive and so open, and I didn't realize how um, how by what me opening myself up really inspired others. There were so mm -hmm. many um, boys specifically who would message me and say, you just putting a face to a boy collecting dolls um, inspired me to start collecting dolls and telling my mom and showing my mom or grandma or whoever they were with, uh, hey, look, there's this other boy online who's collecting dolls. Now I can collect dolls too. And I didn't realize the impact that that could have. Um, and then opening up about everything else, I started getting such a flood of messages of people telling me that they were in similar circumstances or mm. that by me just opening myself up inspired them to come out or um, even come out just to themselves and even things that weren't LGBTQ oriented, um, just seeing someone be confident with themselves inspired them. And I think that uh, it's definitely helped me a lot in a sense of community. You know, it's definitely empowering to me to know that I'm helping other people through what I'm saying. And challenging gender norms. I mean, even if it's like boys can play with dolls and girls can play with trucks. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's, it's fascinating to me. Um, and my second part of that question was you talked about being self-aware. How has that process been for you? You know, knowing what needs you have and knowing what is sort of for good attention right. and, and what might be for the wrong kind of attention. Right. Have you had to learn that over time? Is that through therapy? Is that something that you've been able? I mean, that's very difficult for anybody at any age. How, oh, yeah. how have you learned to, to deal with that? So I would say I learned it through two things was one through therapy, for sure, mm -hmm. learning to be accountable and learning my defense mechanisms and the way that my mind operates. Mm -hmm. And then also uh, even through YouTube, looking back at my old videos and seeing the way that I would interact. I, I literally watched my confidence level rise and drop. I don't think it's ever linear. Like there will be days that I'm lacking in confidence and there's days that, you know, I I'm superstar, but my. um watching my videos, I was able to realize like, oh, you know, I could tell this video I was I was pretty down. And then um I would also write and journal. And I think that helped as well as me being able to look back and look uh where I was on certain days. And some days I'd look back and be like, oh, that was so silly to be upset over. But in the moment, those feelings are very real mm. and coming to with empathy. I think empathy also helped me become very self-aware by empathizing with others and I think that's what helped me a lot in group therapy was being able to empathize with other people in group therapy and thinking, you know, I was there too. And even if it wasn't the experience itself, I could resonate with the feeling and feeling so much pain um, and how you act out on that pain or how you deal with that pain. And I could really feel that. And through hearing other people and the things that they've gone through, I was like, wait, I really felt this too. And then I was like, wait, this is why I do this, hearing them say it. So empathizing really helped me become very self-aware. Do you think that that's also, I mean, what motivates you to keep sharing? I mean, yeah. you have almost 500,000 right? Yeah. Subscribers now on YouTube, your videos have received almost 200 million views. Is that part of the motivation to keep going? Yes, definitely. I think knowing that there is other people like me out there who can relate and 
who are going through the same thing uh, really keeps me going and is the engine to why I do what I do. And I mean, even seeing viewers not only online, but in person, when I go to events like BeautyCon or when I go to events like DragCon, when I get to see these viewers face to face and they're telling me their story and that just, it means so much to me that people are willing to open up with me and realizing that I'm giving people this empowerment, this sense of, you know, I can do it too. It's certainly the engine that keeps me doing what I'm doing. Mm. And Okay, so hold that thought. We're just going to take a quick break, learn a little bit more about our sponsors and we'll be right back. Crisis Text Line provides free confidential support via text message 24-7. If you need support, text PODCAST to 741-741. And if you want to help people work through the challenges in life that could be better TBH, visit crisistextline.org slash volunteer to apply to become a crisis counselor. JED is the leading national nonprofit working to protect emotional health and prevent suicide for teens and young adults across the country. For more information, go to jedfoundation.org. You know, I've asked this to a lot of the people that I've interviewed. What you're telling me is an incredible story. It's an incredible story for a lot of reasons. I mean, what you have done is sort of the epitome of bravery to do it at such a young age, to have been through. Thank you. um, I, I mean, really, truly, to deal with these mental health situations, to feel so much pressure at such a young age and to deal with them in such a creative way is really such an inspiration. Nobody has a perfect life, right? And, you know, the tough thing about social media is that, you know, you can make anything look perfect. Yes. You can look, I mean, you know, looking at your videos, I'm like, now I got to learn how to do my eye like that. Now, now I want, <laughs> now I want her to teach me anytime, how to do my skin learn. because it, it's possible. I can look like her. Yes. So, you know, what do you do when you're not feeling your most confident? What do you do when you're not feeling your best? Not only how do you pick yourself up, but right. but how do you convey that to the people who look up to you, who even idolize you? How do you keep it real? Right. Because that's the fear that I have, right? When I see people who just absolutely idolize you because they empathize, because they know that you're real, that you've been through hard times, right. but then they see you as almost like a god because you You've already been through all of this stuff. Yeah. How do you remind them that like, hey, it's never going to be perfect. It's not always easy. Right. How do you convey that to them? And how do you, you know, continue to do that and still do your work? So recently I actually opened up that I still struggle with depression. I mean, this past week, it really hit me with the new year coming in. I felt really depressed and I made a, a post about it. And I think one, by maintaining that open um relationship with my viewers and being transparent and saying, Hey, like today I woke up and I was really sad. And, and also I think part of just being healthy and remembering that when it's appropriate to do, because I think that there are times that I shouldn't share, like, you know, I'm really going through this because there is always going to be the side of the internet where people are, um, just going to be trolls and they're going to harass me about it and they're going to say things so vindictive yeah totally so being aware of when it's healthy for me to open up and i'm mentally strong enough to say hey you know i was really struggling with this and going through this where i know that these negative comments aren't going to affect me because they do Mm -hmm. um i think that's one thing that i'm also very transparent about is that hey comments do affect me they get under everyone's skin i think the way that a lot of people Somebody said something mean about one of my outfits the other day and i was like crushed i was crushed oh yeah i mean totally And I, one, it's really cool to hear you say that because it's 
So many times people say, oh, I just ignore it or it doesn't really affect me. And that's, you know, some people that does work, but I am definitely not one of those people. And I feel like a lot of people can relate even when you don't have a million followers, like there's still just the littlest thing could really upset you. And I think it's recognizing that feeling and recognizing that it hurt and dealing with that and allowing yourself to be sad about it. And that's what I've learned to do is allow myself to feel sad, allow myself to be in pain and then put in some self-care plans. Like I will maybe go for a walk to get some donuts (laughs) or maybe I will turn on the the essential oils and, and different things like that to treat myself for recognizing that I feel this way. In healthy ways, of course. Sure. I mean, do you ever feel like you need to take a break? Are there times where you're like, you know what? I'm not posting. I'm stepping back. Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. I think that um, what's helped me through this is recognizing that my boundaries and my mental health is my priority. So Mm. um, if there is a day that maybe I have something scheduled and I, I feel like, you know, I really can't do this or it's really not the right time for me to do this, then I won't do it. And I think that's what's helped me maintain the feeling of liberation because the minute that I start doing things when I am not mentally there to do them, it starts feeling depressing and it starts feeling like I'm not being heard and I'm feeling invisible because I'm forcing myself to do something that really I'm not all there to do. So there's definitely so many times that I've decided, you know, I'm not going to post today or I'm not going to open up about this thing on my story. You know, I'm not going to go through messages. And and I do try to um, still maintain the sense of openness about it, but when I feel I'm ready to do so. Right. I mean, it does sound like at some point the scales tipped a little bit and you kind of took more control over the channel than the channel had over you. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, And just the, as an aside, how did you get your mom on your channel? So, <laughs> I know. So growing up, I mean, she would never answer the door without makeup on. She would have to, <laughs> or she would run in the room and then I would answer the door. My dad would answer the door. One of my siblings would answer the door. And what happened was in 2016, my mom witnessed me opening up on my YouTube channel. And what she told me one day, she was like, if you're able to go on YouTube and express yourself the way you do, there's no reason that I shouldn't. And we've always talked about bringing awareness to her syndrome, which is KTS. Um, so it's Klippel Trinawi Weber syndrome. It's KTS for short. And so it mm-hmm. is a cardiovascular syndrome that it affects everyone who has it differently. So it's a little hard to describe, but essentially the way that my mom has it is she has her birthmark. And so it started to swell when she fell on ice when she was 40 and it hasn't gone away since. So she wasn't born with the swelling. She was born with the Port Weinstein, which is the birthmark. And it's not painful for her anywhere except for her legs. So where we see it in her face or her arms, it's there's no pain. But in her legs, you know, there was a lot of times growing up that we couldn't go out. We couldn't go to theme parks. We didn't go bike riding because of the swelling and the pain in her legs. And we would have to wheel her around. And one of the issues specifically with the KTS was that It causes um, blood clots and swelling. Mm. So she wasn't able to walk for long periods of time, but she also had to lose weight. So the doctor was telling her, you know, hey, you need to lose weight. But the struggle was that if she was to walk or exercise for too long, that it would cause swelling in her legs and it would cause blood clots and she would have to go into the hospital. So I did grow up with both my parents in the hospital a lot, but tying back into the, how she got on my YouTube channel was bringing awareness to that because a lot of doctors, she, I, grew up with her going to doctors. And I mean, even her going to doctors, a lot of doctors didn't know what it was. They didn't know how to treat her because they weren't sure what her condition was. And so we figured, you know, why don't we make a YouTube video about this? And it made sense to do it with makeup because I grew up watching her do makeup and my channel was 
becoming makeup oriented. So we did it as a transformation, but really it was just to bring awareness to KTS and in a way that made sense. And after that, once we uploaded that video, there was actually a growing amount of articles on KTS. And if you look at a lot of them, they were written in 2016 when the video came out. So what our goal was to set out was to bring awareness to KTS and it did. And so to this day, you know, we're still constantly advocating for it because since it does affect everyone so differently, there's such a limited amount of research on it and about how it affects people. Like the way that it works with my mom is that it causes swelling, but there's other people where it causes shrinking. So where they have a port wine stain, it actually shrinks their limbs or wherever the port wine stain is. Mm -hmm. So here you've taken a YouTube channel where you started playing with dolls. Yes. And you've not only become basically an icon for self-expression, for gender identity. You have become a spokesperson for different health issues and learning self-esteem, self-confidence. How old are you? I'm 20. Ah! (laughs) I mean, what are you going to do? Win a Nobel Prize by 30? I don't understand. (laughs) I truly do not understand. Oh my God, I'm so honored. I'm, I'm having trouble getting my head around this. It's also kind of amazing. And I really, I'm, I truly mean this when I say it. You've done more for other people yeah. through your own struggles than most people do for others in their lifetime. Thank you. And you've taken your platform and made it about helping others, which leads me to really, you know, what the last thing that um, I know that you've done is become a crisis text line counselor. Yes. And um and ambassador. How did that happen and what made you choose to take that on uh, among the myriad of other things that you do? Right. So truthfully, when I turned 18, I lost my insurance and I was really struggling during that time with thoughts of suicide. And so I came across a post that was talking about crisis text line and I decided to text in one day. And that's when I found out about Crisis Text Line and I wanted to learn more about it and I developed an advocacy for it. When people, when fans would message me, and this is before I, I really worked with Crisis Text Line, they would message me and say, you know, I'm feeling really suicidal. I'm going through something. I always referred them to Crisis Text Line because I didn't know exactly how to deal with that. I knew how to deal with it on my own, but I didn't know how to deal with it for other people. Mm. So I would refer to them to a place that I knew was available 24-7 that they could text in with someone who was certified to speak with them about their struggles. And then I found out that they were accepting volunteers to work and I wanted to apply and become one. And I just learned so much about communicating. You know, I thought I knew a lot already, but then I learned so much about communicating with people that I now use in my own daily life outside of Crisis Text Line. But I think one thing that I really cherish through learning through Crisis Text Line is that when you are doing any type of giving, because, you know, I am still sitting there trying to be there and empathize with people who are texting in and be there for people who are going through a crisis is that the best thing that you can do is empathize and to just be there for you and not make it about yourself and not make it about, uh, you know, seeing the fruits of what you've developed. I mean, even with my YouTube channel, what I've learned is that I don't like to give things with an expectation for something in return. And that's one thing that I really learned with Crisis Text Line is that I'm not doing something to get something back. It's all about helping others through what I've gone through. And because everything that I've gone through, I am really able to empathize. And because I've actually texted into Crisis Text Line, I can really empathize with what it's like to be on the other side of that. And 
it's just been something that I'm very passionate about. You know, clearly I'm very passionate about mental health and, and helping others. And I think it's a conversation that needs to be had because even me, even though it may seem like, you know, I have all these followers and I'm so open about things, there are days that I do struggle, that I, I need a, a shoulder to cry on. And that's what crisis has been for me. And I see that it does so much for other people that I just want to be able to share that with other people. When you meet negativity with positivity, it becomes negative. So meeting negative with negative, which I mean, it sounds kind of weird, but like meeting negative with negative, I'm able to say I've been there and meeting them where they're at is what helps, is what helps somebody going through a struggle, especially because I know what I want to hear when I'm going through a struggle. So it does help me knowing when someone's in pain, how I can deal with that because of all the pain that I've gone through and what I wish that people would have said to me or told me. I mean, especially with even actually when I opened up about being depressed on social media, there was a couple messages where people are like, oh, how could you possibly be sad? You know, there's no reason for you to be sad. Right. And that's why you mean by meeting a negative yes. with a positive, right? Like, buck up. You're fine. Yes. It's cool. You're, yeah, you're exactly. doing great. It's because when you tell someone that the positive trying to make someone see the positive, you're basically telling them how to feel. You're telling them be positive. And when someone's in a negative right. headspace, you know, it's a lot, it's not that they don't want to be positive. I always use the analogy of smoking because we can tell someone who smokes constantly, you know, smoking causes cancer. It's not that they don't know that. It's not the lack of awareness or the lack of knowledge that caused them to smoke. There's external reasons. So when someone is going through depression, telling them all the reasons to be happy isn't the issue. I mean, I know for myself, I know the reasons to be happy. I'm aware of the following. I'm aware of, you know, how beautiful I am. I'm aware of how confident I can be. And that's not the problem. That's not the struggle that I'm dealing with. So when you meet someone with all the positives and throwing all these positives at them, it doesn't really help because they already know that. So telling them and telling them it's okay to be negative. Right. It's okay that you're feeling this way. It's actually normal to feel this way is really what, what helps is meeting them where they're at. Sure. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to have their feelings negated, right? I mean, that just isn't the point. Yes. Um, it's so I, I, 20 years old. I'm like, I'm, I'm having a meltdown over here at your emotional intelligence. <laughs> um, oh, so you. what, <laughs> what's next for you? So, I mean, aside from me coming over for you to teach me how to do my makeup. But, oh, totally. You know, well, there's time for that. No, I mean, <laughs> we definitely, what we're trying to advocate for is that outside of um, beauty in general, because I really also love fashion and wigs. So I would love to do something with like fashion week. Um, I'd love to come out with a palette. I'd love to do more with wigs because I do so much with wigs is maintaining that philanthropy about it and maintaining that give back. Like I know that with wigs, I have a lot of fall. I mean, even my mom, my mom, as she ages, you know, her hair is starting to thin out. So we've used a lot of wigs on her and she's open up about that too. But, um, you know, people who may be going through treatment for something or have alopecia and using wigs to feel more confident and beautiful about that. So moving forward, I want to maintain something that I love too, which is makeup and transformation and maintaining that sense of empathy and how this has made me feel confident and how other people can feel confident by learning how to feel beautiful about themselves through this makeup transformation medium. So Claudina, for anybody who doesn't know where to find you, um, is the best place your YouTube channel? So I would say my YouTube and Instagram, which you can just search Claudina9, C-L-A-W, Claw, mm -hmm. D-E-E-N-A-9, and Claudina9Official on Instagram. Well, Claudine, I just want to thank you so much for being on the program. Uh, I wish you the best of luck in everything. And um, I'll, I'll be over you. later. Yes, of course. Come over. Thank you. Okay, great. Okay. And I'll totally give you a whole <laughs> makeover for it. Oh, my God. Seriously, we're filming that. Oh, yeah. Yes, please. Okay, great. Talk to you soon. 
I am so moved by Claudina's passion to use her platform for good. She is someone who's used her own painful experiences to channel empathy and help others in such an amazing way. I'm just so grateful we were able to share her story on the podcast and that she's going to teach me how to do my makeup. So I have to sign off now because I'm going to meet her as soon as I possibly can. Before we go, please do us a favor and subscribe to our show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you go to get podcasts. While you're there, please rate us and give us a review. It'll help more people learn about the show. On Instagram, you can find us at Crisis Text Line, at Jed Foundation, and at Stacey London Real. Crisis Text Line and the Jed Foundation produced the show with help from Human Group Media. That's all, guys. We'll see you on the next episode of Could Be Better, TBH. <laughs>